Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the special episode of Locked On Coyotes. It's a bonus episode. I'm your host, Robin Leonio. Carl Pavlik is off today. I will be because it is a bonus episode today. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be sharing with you a crossover episode we did with our friends from another podcast. Our friends over at Hockey Royalty, uh, the, a Los Angeles Kings podcast. Both Carl and I were uh, on there late last week to discuss a lot of different things, including the upcoming draft, as well as the uh, potential trades, especially with that of Jacob Chikrin. We discuss a potential offer that they are willing to offer us. Do we take? Would we, as Coyotes people, take that offer? It, it, is it a good enough offer? You'll have to listen and find out and find and uh, tell us what you think for yourself we're going to get to that in just a moment so uh we're going to go ahead and turn over to it so hope you guys enjoy this special episode so welcome in uh both you guys thank you for coming on and we're talking about the yotes how you guys doing doing good yeah not too bad uh, enjoying the week but you know and then my esteemed co-hosts joe and russell how you guys doing very good, Rando. How's things with you? Not too Improving. bad. Just just uh, getting off work today, selling some cars, and then coming on here with you fine folk. So, What could be better than that? And Russell? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's been a great week of uh, Stanley Cup final hockey. I've enjoyed those games. It's been good for the league. Good for the it league. Has, has been good. It's been, it seems like it's been due for Colorado for quite some time. Um, the Coyotes have saw quite a bit of them this season. Uh, let's let's get into that and, and, and get our co-host going here. And we'll start with the, the Coyotes in, as a whole. I mean, obviously, seems like they're going in the rebuild with seven picks in the first two rounds, trading away prospects, and then the trade talks are never-ending. But also, there's some turnover with the stadium, uh, getting into pushed into the Central Division. Like, how has it been being a Coyotes fan in this last couple of years, and how do you guys feel about this rebuild so far? Go ahead and start, Carl. Okay, uh, so yeah. I have been following the Coyotes and writing about them for the past 11 years now. And, and honestly, this all feels the same. There's always been arena trouble. This is like the third rebuild I've been on. Uh, it, it's all just exactly the same. Uh, I am always optimistic about the future. I, I think that things are going well with the stadium situation. It's still early. I think things are going well with the rebuild, although it's still really early for that. Uh, it all kind of depends on you know what happens in the next couple weeks. Is Bill Armstrong able to you know draft a good crop? A lot of fans have faith in him, so you know I'm confident he will. But you know, remains to be seen what actually happens. Yeah, uh, you know, to me too. Like I've been covering the Coyotes for much less than Carl has. I mean, I've been doing I've been doing it. I've been covering the Roadrunners for about six years, but the Coyotes for like the last two or three coming right out of college and joining the podcast, but uh, but watching the rebuild happen um, and seeing what Bill Armstrong's been doing, I've been really impressed. You know, he's setting, I think, I believe he's setting it up perfectly. And yeah, it sucks to see them, 
you know, be at the at the bottom of the barrel and the complete basement of the league. But that was expected, and we just, I just had to mentally prepare yourself for that. Um, it kind of it's good that it coincides with those arena problems because, like, okay, they're not so good, so you don't have to worry about having a brand spanking new arena until later down the road. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you guys about the arena situation because I don't think people outside of Arizona kind of get this whole move from Glendale to Tempe and how like real like impactful it really is because I I lived in Arizona for a couple years so I I know the area quite well and no one wanted to drive to Glendale to see a hockey game it just that was way too far people it makes sense to go drive down there eight times a year to go see the Cardinals the Arizona Cardinals the football team. That's literally right next door to where uh, Gila River Arena was. But for 41 times a year to go see hockey in Arizona, it made no sense to go from downtown, which is a real big city, a real big metro, to all the way to the outskirts of Glendale, which is growing, but it's still not there in terms of trying to grow a hockey community. So what are your thoughts? I'll start with you, Carl. What are your thoughts of it moving now back to closer to the city? Well, I mean, I did just buy a townhouse that's like 20 minutes away from the <laughs> Hill River Arena. Uh, but I I lived in Tempe for years. I love the city of Tempe. I have multiple favorite like restaurants in Tempe. I'm fine with them moving to Tempe. Uh, it's going to be really close to the light rail, which is just a really good way to get around. Mm-hmm. But But you're right. There is a vast difference between Glendale and Tempe that you really need to be like live in Arizona for any amount of time to realize uh, whenever I see people talking about it on the internet, I'm like, you you don't understand the city. And mm-hmm. I know because I'm looking where you're from, like usually it's somewhere in Canada uh, or just anywhere else in the country. I'm like, I don't know the nuances of your city. Why do you suspect that you know what's going on in Phoenix, a mm-hmm. very sprawling, massive city? Exactly. How about you, how about you Robin? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I've made that complaint many times before about the Coyotes previously in the West Valley, just because like uh, there is very few like trans like or like access there, access to mm-hmm. that side, because like what the, your best way to get there is like you know I, I, via the, either the I ten or you know Loop one hundred and one, which there's even then you still have to get off the freeway and drive for an extra fifteen minutes before we even get there, um, and that's me coming from Tucson, for example, like. Tucson to Tila River Arena took me about two and a half hours versus, you know, two. I test, I timed myself, you know, only a couple of weeks ago, Tucson to Tempe, about like an hour and a half. Saved myself a whole extra, whole extra hour. Like, it makes sense to be on that side. It's a lot more centrally located. Uh, so much, there's like, all the fans are in that area. It's a lot mm-hmm. more densely packed. That's where a lot of the, quote, like, richer people are. And, that, and then most people will be spending more money on hockey games. It just makes more sense to be on this side rather than over there. It makes, I mean, and I, and, and I won't fault them for making the decision then because they, at the time that I, from what I understand is they believed it really was going to develop better on these, on the West Valley. It just mm-hmm. didn't over the years. And they, they just learned from that mistake. We have a, we have a, we have a question here from Carter scores, longtime listener. Uh, how do you guys feel about the projected ticket prices for the temporary arena? Uh, being, you know, where, where the college plays, you know, it's, it was expected. Um, we knew it was going to be that high. We knew it was going to be high. Uh, we saw it get that high. We were a little, sh- like a little sticker shock just cause like, Oh wow. Yeah. 
Um, but you have to understand that because it's such a smaller arena that, you know, the demand is going to go higher. And because it's in, you know, it's in Tempe, it's in that side, as I mentioned, a lot more people are going to want to, are going to be going to games. It kind of makes sense. So far, I think, I think two of the four or five sections, like in terms of the season ticket pricing has already sold out. Like, so like people are buying them, like people are willing to spend, to spend that. It's just, you know, you have to understand that that's kind of part of how, like how, like how it's going to end up working with the, with the demand. Do you think that's because of the money in the city or do you think that's the anticipation of Logan Cooley or a year off Sofkowski? Because the anticipation of Quentin Byfield in the first season, even though the Kings management were saying like, he's not going to play was through the roof. I mean, Jersey sales and all that kind of stuff like that. And then that with a smaller arena, like people get into rebuilds and seeing these young stars that they could potentially witness for over a decade. How do you feel like that contributes to the anticipation in the season ticket sales? I mean, there's definitely a lot of hype for Dylan Gunther. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. much was the silver lining throughout the entire season. Uh, I don't think anyone anticipates the team like playing him. Uh, most people have kind of accepted that there's going to be just one more year of misery, hopefully just one more year of misery, but no one's expecting the team to be great next year. No one's expecting them to rush any prospects. Um, but we're also seeing like the revitalization of Clayton Keller. Like he had a phenomenal season last year, really came out of nowhere. Well, not exactly nowhere, but really took a massive step forward and people really responded. Uh, he also spoke out at the, uh, city of Tempe, uh, city council meeting and that earned him a lot of respect from the fan base i don't think i remember any active player speaking out at city of glendale meeting i remember them going but they didn't say anything I, and clinton keller spoke and that means a lot all right once again you're listening to a special episode of locked on coyotes a bonus episode with myself and carl pavlock being a guest on a Los Angeles Kings podcast, we're talking a lot of different things, ranging from the arena situation to what's going on with the coy- with with the Coyotes, the upcoming draft, and trades. A lot of different things of that sort. We got more to get to of that conversation. We're gonna get to in a little bit. Before we get to that, though, I do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all related sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports Events including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Joe, do you have any questions for them? Yeah, I was going to ask Carl. Uh, he had mentioned in his when he first started talking uh, a bit ago about the rebuild and how he's been through a few rebuilds. Where would you say the current rebuild is right now i mean do you think this is a team that you see there's a light at the end of this tunnel uh in in two years three years or is this something where you're you feel like maybe you're at the beginning of this and it's going to take you know three four or five years to get yourselves out of it so i think that last year was the first year there's going to be one more year 
uh, where the Coyotes are going to be bottom five team. Uh, next, they're they're in a weird division, so I don't really want to know. But I do expect in like two to three years, they're at least going to be looking for you know playoff bubble kind of area, and then hopefully we get some you know great seasons out of you know, players like Gunther Soderstrom when they're you know four years from now and they're actually competing. And they have, you know, the kind of supplemental players that are going to be drafted in the next couple of years. I have a question here from Richard. It says, since the Coyotes have been through quite a few rebuilds, what pieces would it finally take to get out of rebuild mode? And I maybe this, maybe I'm going to frame it this way. Is this the most important pick in Coyotes history, this number three overall, for modern Coyotes hockey? Robin. It certainly is a big pick. I'm not sure. I can't, I'm not sure if I could say the most important pick, um, but is it, I think this is going to make a huge difference. The Coyotes have picked number three overall. I think this is their third time they're doing it. The last mm-hmm. two haven't panned out, so they want to make sure they get this one right. Um, if they do two, three years down the road, you know that pick, whether it is Slavkowski or Cooley or whoever, they're going to make a big impact. Like, and I hopefully make a big impact. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the hold on, I'm gonna take the shoes of Bill Armstrong right now and this and this is from and also from an outside point of view. If I'm the Coyotes, I go full tank mode this season. Full tank mode. You have to try whatever you can to get Connor Bedard next year. <laughs> if that's that, if that that changes, you just ask questions or what, or Nikolai Mishkov. Either one would be yeah, perfectly fine. Whatever one. I will, you just I will say I've already started the hashtag on on our podcast hashtag Tank Hard for Bedard. So I'm, <laughs> I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah, I mean, you just asked what pieces you need to get out of a rebuild. Any team that gets Connor Bedard next year is immediately going to be in playoff contention because you can build around that type of player and. Oh, he, Cooley yeah, Bedard one two would be nasty for you. I mean, you're yeah. you, Connor Bedard's going to put up easily probably eighty points in his first rookie year. He's that good of a player. Yeah, We're talking is. about the next McDavid, the next Crosby, whatever. I mean, this player has it all. You've seen what he did at the U18s when, as a sixteen-year-old. We're going to start to see what he does at the World Juniors, and he's really going to make a name for himself. So, full tank mode, baby. That's what I'm doing if I'm the Coyotes <laughs> or really any team like the Kraken. So, I think that's what's going to play into a lot of decision making because a lot of people talk about this draft being big next draft is huge in terms you're talking about multiple franchise players are are going to be available in the top five so i think some of these bottom teams are probably going to stay closer to the bottom and wait to see what happens next year we talked with wheeler uh, scott wheeler from the athletic a little bit and they said that that he said that there's probably four talent four talents in next year's draft that's better than shane wright yeah, or that could be better than wow. Shane right? And he just said like it's just that loaded, and he said like normally the the tier break off like from the like top line tier is around 13, 14 players. He said next year he would guess it's probably around twenty one to twenty six guys. Like it's just that deep, and so yeah, tank hard for Bedard is right, Robin. <laughs> yeah, and it's really not like the Coyotes have much of a choice. Uh, they're, they're not in a <laughs> suddenly be better like bill armstrong would need to have like a massive free agent just bringing in all the talents in the world Mm -hmm. like that is kind of like one of the things at a certain point a lot of our fans did maybe think the coyotes could have a push next year if certain things clicked into place but but no that that's not going to happen they just don't have the materials yet they're still you know 
developing. They're still growing. They're still haven't been drafted yet. Hey, mm-hmm. you got plenty of salary cap, you know, to sign Philip Forsberg, trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, trade for Pasternak. That's your perfect first line right there. That could, that's, a, that's an instant rebuild. Uh, Richard is a coffee guy. He wants Dutch bros in the new arena for sure. Let's get into it. Our first our first question from Carter Scores about the trading question that we're talking about. Do you guys think Chikrin can bounce back from his previous injuries to be that dynamic defensive? The one, the defenseman that led the league in scoring – do you think it hurts his trade value, or do you think that his trade value has not been hurt by his injuries at all? Uh, Carl or Robin can take this one, either one. Uh, I, I don't think it's really been hurt. Chicken has been injured before. He always seems to bounce back. Um, you have to understand, this was his first season playing as the number one defenseman. It was, I think, the first season of his career playing without Alex Goligoski by his side. Uh, first season with a new head coach. He really like didn't... like. He had a lot of firsts, um, and he was apparently really shook up when Christian Dvorak was traded just before training camp because they were pretty close. Um, so I think he is going to bounce back. I think he can still do a lot of great things. Uh, if he is with the Coyotes and they don't trade him before then, I think he can have a great season. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think there's any concern about his injuries. Yeah, That's interesting I, I, context I, I, I there. Yeah, sorry, Robert. I was going to say that's interesting context about the, a number of things that went on around him that maybe led to him having kind of a, a down year, if you will. Where is is this a is this a trade that that you guys and or Coyotes fans have kind of just reserved that it's going to happen, or do you think it's not necessarily something that's a slam dunk or something that they need to do? Um, to me, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say this that like it's there's a there's a really high chance this thing happens um and i think it's mainly because if they want to get the best value at it they're going to do it you know do it sooner rather than later that's one and two after this next season he officially has a no trade clause attached to his contract so if they're going to get it done they're going to get it done this off season and if yeah, i'm going to even go a step further if they're going to get it done they're going to get it done before this upcoming draft in a couple hmm. weeks I don't think it needs to happen. I do think that there there was a disconnect between you know management and Shikrin as the year went on as to whether or not he would be traded. Uh, when the season started, he was untouchable, if you can say any player is untouchable in a tanking team. Um, but that you know devolved as the season went along, and it, it did seem to frustrate him. So like if the team wants to keep him, I think he's on a very team friendly contract. He's still young. He will still be a good age when the rebuild hopefully ends. So there's reasons to keep him. But if they do, they really need to mend that relationship. Yeah, I think a lot of the question marks that are revolving around Chikrin and why the rumors are starting to pop up now, or they've been kind of around, is that there's going to be a modified no-trade clause that kicks in after this season for his contract. So we're definitely probably going to see him being moved because I don't. once he hits you uh, unrestricted free agency – I think Bill Armstrong kind of is maybe skeptical about him probably wanting to come back um, to Arizona. So that could be a reason why we're hearing. Um, Sorry, I just had news come across that Bergeron's coming back to Boston. Um, So, but yeah, so I think with Chikrin that you, I think that trade's probably going to happen. And I think it maybe does happen before the draft. So I think in terms, and so for, from a Kings standpoint, I'll kind of lead us into that. Um, What, what kind of return are you looking for? in a trade for Jacob Chikrin. And I'll start with you, Carl. Uh, so the line that Bill Armstrong has said from the very beginning, I still think it's the case. 
uh, high prospect, first round pick, and a NHL player. And definitely think that the prospect is the most interesting part of that. The Coyotes, in terms of the player, I don't think they're necessarily looking for like a world changer. They just need some supplemental scoring. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a few interesting prospects I, I see in the, the Kings pipeline. One thing we've talked about with that is, and just to, from a roster player standpoint, say for your prospect, as you mentioned, first round pick, NHL player, we have a player who Russell, Randy, and myself have talked about as a potential somebody that may be interested to the Coyotes. He's played over 100 NHL games. He's a very, very young left shot D, and that's Tobias Bjornfoot. I don't know if that's something in our minds. It's like, hey, that could be attractive to Arizona. Still a very mm-hmm. young defenseman, but he's got NHL games under his belt. You know, if we're going to be, if LA is going to be acquiring a left shot D in Chikrin, former first, first round pick. Yep. So perhaps that's something that, and, and I don't know though, because you just mentioned maybe some supplemental scoring. Does a forward, does it, is it more of a forward that the perhaps Coyotes could be looking for in that type of a deal for the NHL player? Uh. I'm Robin. Do you want to answer this one? I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of ways you could think. I think the Coyotes do lack the most in defense right now. And I think, uh, <laughs> but a one thing that will be needed is that, especially if you know Trekkin is traded, that will be lacking will be a will be the offensive aspect of defense because you know Trekkin was an epoch moving offensive defenseman. You know, you're going to eventually want a guy to fill that. So that's mm-hmm. what, that's that's I think what we're looking for mainly on that side. Yeah, and looking at uh, – I was looking um, earlier, too, at, at you know the, the prospect pool in Arizona, and it seems beyond Soderstrom, Victor Soderstrom, particularly on the right side, it seems pretty thin, and that's uh, exactly where the Kings are very, very strong is the right side of the defense. I mean, after Brant Clark, you still have the likes of Jordan Spence, Sean Dersey, Helge Granz, um, Brock Faber is another one. So, you know, I, I, it seems – logical that there could be a piece that comes from that grouping as well. So there could be that NHL player, could be that right shot D-man, maybe that is the prospect. Um, are any of those prospects something that you could see them go for, just be given the the depth of the Kings in the right shot D, but also it seems Arizona, that could be a spot where they're lacking. Yeah, uh, Brock Faber was actually one of the players that I was looking at. He stood out on a – I was looking at a hockey writer's top 10 prospects for the Kings because I'm not a big prospect person. I need some supplemental <laughs> info. Um, there's the, the thing with the coyotes is there's just so many holes right now that really like anyone can fill it. Uh, you mentioned the defense, like beyond Soderstrom. That is absolutely the case. Uh, we saw pretty much every single Roadrunners defenseman be called up at some <laughs> point last season. Uh, and you know, the Coyotes blue line is not going to be getting any better. Uh, hopefully, Connor Timmons has a full season. He went out early with a knee injury. Uh, let's see what he can kind of do. I, I remember having some you know, positive feelings about him going into the year, but you know, he got hurt right away. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of places. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be supplemental scoring for the player. Uh, I, I think the Coyotes are just going to look for whatever is best available, whatever the best offer is on the table. Now, I have a question here for you. As far as for the first-round pick, does it matter this year versus the next year? As we talk, next year is a deeper draft. You guys already have seven picks in the first 50 or so picks, and you guys are tearing it down to the studs. Would it matter for you? I mean, normally teams want 
earlier returns, but maybe you guys would want waves of prospects coming up uh, as far as in their developmental stage. And I know the Kings would might like to keep on to their first round pick this year if they can, because if they're selling away prospects to get this deal done, maybe a 2022 first would be better off for them. How do you guys feel about the year of 22 versus 23? Do you think it matters? Do you think they should spread out the assets that they're acquiring? Robin, what do you, th- what do you think? Yeah. You know, I think that's a good question. I think um, that's something that I've kind of, kind of teetered a bit in my, in my mind. And, I think the, you know, going to the 2023 route first round would be, would make more sense for the Coyotes. And again, because it goes because the Coyotes have seven rounds, you know, seven, you know, picks in the first two rounds this year. That's one. And two, um, we've been talking with draft experts for getting ready for this year's draft. And once you get past five, then there's, re- it's just a real massive gray area where it's like, do you, is it really worth you know, trying to trade up for these players because it's all the same. Like someone who might get drafted six can fall down to draft and again drafted 23. Who knows in this year's draft? Um, so like that's the kind of main thought I was going with. And it's like, if that's the case and with how deep the next year is going to be, might as well try to get for that instead. What do you think, Carl? Do you, you agree with Robin? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the Coyotes have enough picks that they can play around and move up at this year's draft if they need to. Um, if they don't want to do that, you know, then that's fine. They have enough. Uh, I am kind of interested in the 2023 draft, so I, I don't necessarily be that see that being an issue uh, 2022 versus 23. All right, so let's get into some actual GM hats here, if you will, or and everything like that for this trade and what – Maybe you guys would think on your side going down. I think most people here on King's side have have contemplated on what we would give. Russell, you want to be the GM on our side, and, and one of you guys can be the GM on the other side and maybe come up with a trade that might be uh, adequate to pull the trigger. Oh, man, my negotiating skills are horrible. If you guys, <laughs> you want to take how, this? <laughs> if you guys knew how much I really wanted Chikrin on the Kings, then this table would be terrible. I'd, have, <laughs> I'd be on the short end of the stick. <laughs> But I yes, guess, I, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, I mean, the reason, the, the player that I've always kind of thought that the the Coyotes or any other team really on the outside in terms of um, looking to acquire would be Alex Turcotte. And and I think, I don't I want to get your guys' thoughts on kind of outside perspective on Turcotte. Um, because, I mean, Kings fans, we kind of know about him. We have Trevor Zegas literally right down the ha- uh, highway. So we see him all the time. But then I also would include a player like Tobias Bjornfoot that we've talked about. And the reason I always include Bjornfoot is not because of how valuable he is to the Kings, but how valuable he would be to the Coyotes, being as he was to uh, Victor Soderstrom's um, line mate or defensive pairing at the World Junior Championship. So that could be a little bit of chemistry, maybe a little bit more enticing to go there. So when I say Bjornfoot, Turcotte, first-round pick next year, maybe another prospect we can throw in, NHL player. We have uh, plenty of uh, defensive players like Sean Walker is a really valuable player that's been kind of thrown around. But I think that's kind of the group that I would do and kind of start off with uh, on that table. So I'll, I'll throw the pen to your side now. Carl, you're a little bit more picky than I am. I'll let you <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually like that as a, as a good initial offer. Um I, I, I didn't even think Turncott was on the table, if I'm being perfectly honest. So uh, that is definitely uh, higher than I was expecting. 
So, so it's funny you yeah. mentioned that, Carl. Sorry, and I don't mm-hmm. mean to cut you off because that's, I think, as Russell was saying before, the curious the thought of an outsider because an insider, as Kings fans, I think, are getting very, very antsy and very impatient with Turcotte. It's been a couple of years, haven't seen him. He's got some injuries. And I think there's a much more willingness to include a guy like Alex Turcotte now as opposed to, say, 12 months ago mm-hmm. when there were these Jack Eichel rumors and including Turcotte was no go. Um, so is that how you kind of looked at it? Where it was, I don't even know if Turcotte is even on the table. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like... I, I see a player like Turka. Uh, I wasn't following the Kings too much this year, so I don't know how, you know, what his season was like. He didn't play but, that much, yeah. I'll tell you that. So you didn't miss that much. <laughs> <laughs> but like one off year is not going to change my my idea of a prospect. And he just seemed like such a, a highly touted player. I, I, I did not think that he would be available. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the discussion why is because of the other prospects that the Kings have. And we're starting, it's like impatience has become a big factor that we're all trying to learn. We're all trying to learn how to be patient with all these prospects because Turcotte isn't the only one that's gone through injuries. Almost the majority of the first round picks of LA have gone through some sort of injury. I mean, Rasmus Kapari tore his ACL. Gabe Velarde's had major back issues. So this isn't a big, um, this, is, this has happened plenty of times before. So now with Turcotte, I think Kings fans just see him as a, like, like you mentioned, like a real valuable asset who's probably going to still be a really good quality NHL player, but it's a player that with the amount of centers that the Kings have now, that a player that LA fans would be willing to part with and include in a trade to bring in a quality player like Chikrin. So I think that's why it almost sounds like we have like a deal kind of spewing <laughs> over here. I'm, 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 sensing, I'm sensing some chemistry here. So yeah, I think that's why Turcotte would be included in any trade. Now, the, the assistant GM over here, Carl, the GM was reaching out to, to me earlier and was interested in Chromiak. What if he was the extra player to throw in? He liked the way Chromiak uh, has blossomed. Full GM, Russell, is it? So, Turcotte, Bjornfoot, a first, and you you throwing in Chromiak as well to get the deal done? Well, see, that, that's the thing. is like from an outside point of view, I'm sure like Carl or Robin, they, they see Martin Chromiak and you look him up, I'm sure – you guys may notice him a little bit and you just see the goal scoring that he's able to provide. So I think when you see that and that kind of entices a little bit more. So from a Kings fan point of view, Martin Chromiak's really, he's on the highest trajectory probably of all Kings prospects right now. He's really skyrocketing mm-hmm. up the, the prospect rankings. Um, so that would be a player that even if the Kings fans had to part with Turcotte and Chromiak, it would hurt, but I think it, in the long run, to bring in a player like Chickman, that's probably something you would have to do. What What do you think, Robin? Is that is that something maybe you keep you on the table here? Oh, this this, this definitely op- opens that door. I'm like, it's <laughs> like you've been reeled in. I'm like, okay, now we're interested. Now we can actually have that have that come. Like, because we've had so many so many deals where again they were so, like they were so off base. This is by far the closest we've ever been to like, yeah, we this is like this is something that we can take. <laughs> And you know what's funny is that Kings fans see this trade as not being that much, and I think that's what Kings fans are starting to realize is that the, the prospect pool is so large that including these players into a trade, I mean, you still have players like Quentin Byfield, Arthur Kaliev, um, Samuel Fugimo. I mean, I can go down this whole long list, and and it's, but then when you add a player like Chikrin that the Kings really, really need, I mean, that's going to 
increase the potential for this team to be not only a playoff contender, but actually make some noise come playoff time. We already have two differences in the chat of opinion here. You're talking about the, we need to keep Kromiak. He, we don't have a ton of high-end wingers. Mm-hmm. And then Carter's like, Turcotte, Bjornfoot, and Fagimo, which is another high-end winger we have in a 2023 first. So like like Russell said, Kromiak's on the total upswing. And being that he outscored Shane Wright uh, as far as goals and everything this year and the amount of one-timers he's clapping for for in the World Juniors and stuff like that, the highlight-level plays gets fans intrigued. I'm sure that intrigued you as well, Carl. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like... Uh, like I said, I didn't even think to go with Turcotte. So I was like, uh, Chromiak seems like the player who fits best and is actually kind of attainable as the prospect. But it, it sounds like the situation may be different, um, in which case, yeah. Uh, I, I think Coyotes fans would be annoyed if we trade Chikrin, uh, just in general. But, mm-hmm. but if you can get a, a good return... Most of them do not like the Kings, so that's going to sting. But it's no longer a division rival, so they can learn to deal with it. I was going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle. Like I said, I was trying to look at the prospect pool, look at the young players on the team, and the way I look at it is I see some intriguing young forwards, right? There's Barrett Hayton. you mentioned Clayton Keller, who's somebody I really like. And then, you know, there's Gunther, Jan Yannick, Mateus Michelli. So the what my perception is that it's very thin on the back end. So I was going to come at this where my kind of centerpiece, I guess you could say, is Brock Faber. It was going to be something like Brock Faber, a first-round pick. And I, I personally, whichever first-round pick you would want, whether that's 2020 – this year and next year. Um, Tobias Bjornfoot, again, looking at it from a thin defensive group, wanting to include him. And then that fourth piece, which, again, I, I would I, – I'm thinking at least there were rumors earlier of a Gabe Velarde, uh, Arizona likes Gabe Velarde. And I, I remember seeing that rumor on Twitter, so it has to be true. Um, that I, and, and I think he's an extremely skilled player. Russ mentioned he's had some injuries as a former first-round first pick. Uh, but still, still somebody that – our, I don't know, Russ, Randon, I, he could be as talented a prospect that's still in the King system, despite him kind of not yet cracking. So I would probably come at it more, I approached it from the more de- kind of defense heavy. So Faber, Bjornfoot, a first, and then that that next prospect could be kind of negotiable, whether it's a Velarde or somebody else, another forward prospect, the Tyler Madden is another example. Um, so I was curious again. It, it, it sounds like there's there's at least some wiggle room here, but um, I went at it from the, the defense side, and that makes sense. Um, we like the we've been talking about the Coyotes looking towards the defense. Um, they're trying uh, as a position they're trying to bolster, anyways. Especially since they would end up lo- they're going to end up losing uh, Chikrin, and there's also still the question of whether or not gonna, they're going to resign. Um, Anton Strawman, because there's another defense they're going to lose, defenseman they're going to lose. So, like, <clears throat> like all right, you got to figure out what they're going to do for the next, you know, year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and defense they're lacking, and you don't want to rush any of the more any of the defensemen that they that that came up from the Roadrunners because, yeah, they played well, but like we want to we want them to stay down in Tucson for the next couple of years. We don't want them up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the team was very smart in not bringing Soderstrom up, uh, but you know. JJ Mosier was playing with the Coyotes and he was a second round pick last year. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when when 
hands get forced and then all of a sudden you have to start playing these kids maybe a little faster than you want to. Yeah. And, and he looked good. Uh, he was, uh, you know, an older player who was drafted. So it wasn't as big a leap as, you know, some of them, but he, he played well. I, I sure, I'm sure the team would have rather he spent like, you know, a year adjusting to the NHL ice in Tucson though. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. And I, you know, maybe this, opens up the dialogue of, of the amount in return that you possibly could get from a fan base that's so loaded from the Kings that is more desperate for that because we've been talking for weeks that we view the left side of the defense as our biggest weakness on the team and a team like the Kings who wants to compete even further than they did last year with 99 points. You know, you guys have the exact piece that we need at a, at a cost-controlled level for multiple years to where three pieces like you came at us with initially – would have been an instant yes. And now that we already pre-offered four and we're maybe talking five pieces, depending on where they are in the prospect pool, you know, I think that you guys could get quite a haul, which would mean a quicker rebuild considering the seven picks won't be, you know, ready for quite some time that you guys have this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and, 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 um, not only is that more enticing, is it just more enticing with the extra, the, those extra assets, but like we've like, I'll, I'll even you know throw out like our most our most recent uh, offer was from uh, from the guys who do the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they gave us. Uh, Carl like I like Carl Carl laughed at it the first the first thing he saw it and I was like maybe and then I look at it like the, every minute I'm just like oh god oh no <laughs> oh no Maple Leafs fans have been trying to sell us back Jake Muzzin all summer and <laughs> and it's like we don't want him like that's just not that's not where we are. No offense to the the fuzzmuzz, but he he ain't coming back here. Thank you for the cups. But they wanted I, us to take Peter Mrazek's contract. Yeah, that was that was a that was I a hope thing. There was a like, lot coming back with that. No, no, not really. <laughs> That's the conversation, Carl. And I was like, do we try to shake them for uh, for Matthew Nyes? I think we should shake them for Matthew Nyes because that's not a. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I think that was, that's why. Well, that's why the Kings and the Coyotes are, are always kind of rumored together because, I mean, it just makes sense because, I mean, the Kings have probably one of the top two, top three prospect pools in the NHL. And when you're able to give away four high-quality assets like we have kind of just mentioned for a player like Chikrin, it almost feels like a match made in heaven because, I mean, you're not going to be able to get probably that type of deal from a team like the Maple Leafs and or any other team that's looking to acquire chicken because I mean if unless they have the biggest pro, bigger prospect pool the Kings will be able to to outmatch that so that's probably why we'll hear those teams our, our two teams kind of involved here before before I let you guys go Carter scores comes in with a hypothetical and I think this is an interesting one that I thought do you ignore the Kings offer if the Panthers offer Lundell or Knight Knight being a top end goalie that you guys could have for over a decade already some NHL experience would a, a premier position like a goalie be more than the, the, the packages of defensemen or, or a top end forward. I remember the first rumors were, were night from the Panthers as one of the packages going to the coyotes. And I don't think either of us really believe that the Panthers would actually give up night, especially since it, it sounds like they're looking to shop, Bobrovsky. So I, I don't know what that situation would be like. Um, a goalie that could last, you know, for a decade. I, I, I'm never sure how the Coyotes feel about Ivan Prosvetov. He is 
not played too many NHL games. They're keeping him in the AHL. The few games he's had is against some of the worst or best competition in the league. So his numbers haven't looked great, but I don't know. Spencer Knight is one of those players. It's another one where I just, I don't see them as being actually available. If they are, that's something I got to think about. Robin, does that change it for you too? Um, it definitely puts that. Yeah, I definitely agree with Carl on that, and it definitely puts the thought in there because, like, you know, I was thinking um, too the long for, for a while that like there's no way Knight would be available, but if he, but yeah, if he is, then it's like yeah, okay, that opens the door for conversation. We'll keep hearing, and maybe we'll like we'll listen to like a bidding war, whatever it is. Like we won't completely ignore any any offers. We'll take thing. We'll we'll take them in. Let's see, let's see who does who 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 makes the best offer. You know what, Carl, Robin. Rob Blake may not be willing to include Alex Turcott, but Russell, myself, and Randon are. So tell Armstrong to give us a shout, and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we'll just pass along your information. Uh, I'm sure you guys get this done. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys for coming on. As uh, um, Thank you so much. Again, they are from Locked On Coyotes. Give them a fall, uh, follow on online. All their Twitter handles are scrolling across the bottom, also in the descriptions. Appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, and and talking the dialogue of a trade that maybe has been a little one-sided from Kings fans and kind of get some perspective into the opposite end. And that was our guest appearance on the Los Angeles Kings podcast, Hockey Royalty. Uh, once again, uh, we want to thank the crew for having us on. They were absolutely, you know, fantastic hosts having us talk about you know, a lot of things Arizona Coyotes and proposing a very interesting deal. I want you guys, if you haven't, if you, if you if you missed it, go ahead and take a listen back in the conversation about that. It was a great proposal, and I want to get your thoughts. Go ahead and tweet at us at LO underscore Coyotes or myself at Robin underscore Leonio. And, you know, let us know. It's like, is that a good trade? Is that something you will take if you are Bill Armstrong? I really want to hear your thoughts. So go ahead and uh, and do that. But that's going to be it for today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review, like, comment, subscribe if you have yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcast, including on YouTube. Don't forget to interact with us on social media. Once again, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Coyotes. On Instagram at Locked On Coyotes. And on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leonio. Carl Pavlock, once again, who um, you did not hear today outside of the guest appearance, is at Carl Pavlock FFH. Interact with us, ask the question you might have, we might interact right back, or on a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes Podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode. Hope you're staying safe out there. Hope you're staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on. Howl on!